Hey, welcome to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. Happy to have you with us. You can hang out with us on social media. Nick's Twitter is at NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. Our show itself has its own Twitter handle that is Locked On Bruins. And if you want to get involved with us via email, questions, comments, anything you want to be answered, drop us a line at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. Nick and I are co-hosts for Learfield IMG College's Bruin Insider Show. It's all part of UCLA's flagship station. And we kindly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and do so, whether that's Google, Spotify, Apple, or more. All right, so as far as what we want to talk about for this episode, we are going to be sort of like your tour guides through this quarterback exhibition that we've seen for UCLA football. We're going to go back to last year and hit the rewind button and then look at the current picture, the stable of signal callers on hand for UCLA, and then we'll look into the future a bit and see how that looks as far as that position is concerned. Nick, so glad to have you back with us here today. We want to start with 2018 and what you saw collectively from the quarterback perspective for UCLA. Yeah, just kind of wanted to give a reset here and kind of provide an all-encompassing look at the quarterback position, where we were a year ago in that first year under Chip Kelly, and how things stand at the moment and how they project excuse me, through 2019. Uh, so certainly last year, I'm sure we all remember how those last eight games of the season as the running game got into a groove and therefore the offensive game kind of benefited from that as well. Those last eight games saw a totally different Bruin team on offense and it kept the Bruins in a lot of games outside of probably that Utah game when they just got gashed immediately. And then the following week against Oregon when they caught the turnover bug, special teams had problems. But as that passing game improved, they started throwing more. UCLA averaged just 176 yards passing in the first four games of the season. Compare that to nearly 100 more yards in the final eight games. They averaged 268 games 5 through 12. And even when Dorian Thompson-Robinson got hurt against Arizona, Wilton Spate was nearly as effective the rest of the season. Didn't make many mistakes, did a good job stretching the field, challenging defenses, all in all, I thought the quarterbacks between Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Wilton Spate played well enough for the Bruins to probably win a couple more games last year, but it was defense or special teams that needed to make another play. The games that really stand out that could have gone better for the Bruins, you look at ASU and Stanford, games where the offense performed well, scored enough points, but they just needed a little something extra and lost both those games by one score. Yeah, and Nick, a lot of fans were wondering how Wilton Spate, his pro-style abilities at the quarterback spot, would transition and perform in Chip Kelly's more spread look. And Wilton did as good of a job as he could, given the fact that he was not able to take part in any spring practices. He was a late addition, and he was there as sort of an elder statesman, someone who could ease the transition for Dorian Thompson Robinson and you pointed out there were high notes there was the USC game and he just I think if he had more time with the program 
I think we you would have seen some of those close games last year would have gone UCLA's way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think you saw really when Wilton Spate was in there for the second time, he just looked comfortable. And I think part of that is he's played college football before, and then he finally got a better understanding. And you just see what that experience of being on a big stage in a Division One Power 5 college football game, to have that experience is just so valuable. He was a guy, you know, he was the guy that just kept things going on the straight and narrow, kept things steady, which was, I think, really beneficial in the end to have under Chip Kelly's first year. And shout out to Wilton Spate, who back in May signed a three-year contract as an undrafted rookie with the 49ers. Funny that he, in college, played for two former 49 head coaches in Harbaugh and Kelly, and now he lands up in San Francisco where there is a significant chance that he could make the practice squad. They have liked what he's done, and, you know, he had a couple teams interested in him after the season in college, was not invited to the NFL scouting combine, but is hanging in there, and he's on that 90-man roster and hopes to perhaps get a job on maybe we're thinking the practice squad, but you never know. Yeah, he's got obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter there coming off of injury, and then it's Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard in front of him, both those guys with experience playing. So it's going to be tough uh, to push past Mullins or Beathard, but if he does show some stuff and the 49ers are good in other spots, then he does potentially become a practice squad player. But now that he's graduated, we have... Uh, older. We, now that he's graduated, we have an older DTR, and he is going to have to take what we assume the starting role. And coming up, we are going to evaluate DTR and his colleagues that are manning the quarterback spot for UCLA and their look and their outlook for this season. That is coming up on Locked On Bruins. Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. We encourage you to drop us a line on social media. Nick's Twitter is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. The show has its own Twitter. That is Locked On Bruins. Or send us an email at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. So we now will focus our attention on the quarterback outlook for UCLA this year. DTR seems to be running the show per se, the presumptive starter. And Nick, for a guy who came in as sort of this savior figure and is going to lead UCLA back to the promised land, what a lot of people don't realize is he didn't have a lot of experience in high school as a starting quarterback. In fact, he got offers from D1 programs before he even took a snap as a high school quarterback on the varsity team. And he currently has only 16 career starts at quarterback between varsity high school competition and college, only 16. So I have all the confidence in the world that this guy is going to do big things, but we also have to temper our enthusiasm a little bit 
because you can't shortcut experience. And that is what this guy is going to get. We want him to stay healthy because he seems to thrive just the more reps he gets. Yeah, when he's got a clean pocket, we, we touched about this a little bit last week, but when he's got a clean pocket, I don't think there's a throw that he can't make. I mean, the Washington game is just a great example of what he can do against a really good defense. He was able to go through his reads. He threw into tight coverage. He was able to scramble a couple times in that game. And then that injury in the Arizona game just kind of threw everything off. Um, but prior, immediately prior to that, he looked really good against Washington and Cal. So if you can pick up right where he left off in those games, you know I don't see why he cannot be very, very good and get the Bruins off to a nice start this season. The things I'm looking for him from him this year, is the accuracy going to be consistent? He had a bit of a habit of overthrowing last year, both in terms of velocity and also placement. We saw a lot of balls over receivers' heads. It was something that did improve, though, as he got into those Washington and Cal games. And then the other part, and I think something that everyone wants to see because we know how fast he is, is will we see more of a running element of him? Of course, that's something that Chip Kelly will help decide in calling some designed run plays potentially. Uh, but also when the play break breaks down, I'd like to see a little more consistency there. I think oftentimes he's trying not to rely on his legs. You know, he I think he knew that in high school he could. He was one of the fastest guys on the field, but he couldn't totally do that. And, you know, he was trying to make throws and not just put his head down immediately. And I think there's kind of a balance that he's got to find this season. Now, Dorian is certainly not the only quarterback that is making headway here. We also wanted to to spotlight Austin Burton, and he's a guy who's really filled out and will be a redshirt sophomore this year, and he's lauded for his work ethic, and he has yet to play a snap in a game. Now, he has been spectacular in spring games, he has wowed with some impressive throws, but he has yet to see action in the field. And he said recently, this, one of the biggest things he wants to work on is his confidence in the pocket. And you notice he wears 12, and that's because of his adoration for Tom Brady. His grandfather, Austin's grandfather, was the first ever draft pick of the Boston Patriots. So there is a long family lineage of football tied to the Patriots. And even Tom Brady has been able to connect with Austin and provided some words of encouragement. And he seems to be someone, Nick, who could be putting the pressure on DTR. Yeah, it's been tough to glean a whole lot of his game so far because we've only seen him in spring games and what little we can see at practices. You know, Chip Kelly, of course, loves the progress he's made. And as you said, he played pretty well in the spring games this year. There was that 50-yard or so bomb down the sideline to Jalen Irwin. That was probably the, the best offensive highlight of the game. And he also showed that he can tuck and run, too. Uh, so he seems like, you know, a bit of a sleeper candidate there to try and make some noise here at the quarterback position. I mean, he's certainly come a long way from his freshman year. I was going back and just watching uh, some some interview clips, and man, he he really looks like a high schooler in those clips. He looks young, <laughs> but now 
Now he's starting to look more like a college quarterback here in his junior season. He has filled out a lot. He was very pencil thin when he came here, and he's really started to bulk up. Chase Griffin is that next quarterback that could see the field, is only going to be a true freshman. But here is a guy who, since birth, Nick, has been destined to be a Bruin. He comes from Texas, but he was born at UCLA's medical center. And he's got a family member that won the Rose Bowl for Purdue in 1967. So this has been sort of, if you go to your neighborhood palm reader, and you, if you're chasing, you say, you know, where am I going to go to college? It's, it's very clear that UCLA was going to be a seamless transition and pick for him. And Nick, just kind of quickly glossing over his numbers, he's a little bit undersized at five foot ten, but man, can he sling it! Over four thousand yards passing his senior season, fifty-one touchdowns, and only five interceptions. Yeah, three-star prospect out of Round Rock, Texas, and he was the Gatorade State Player of the Year last year, and that is no small feat for a state like Texas, of course. Uh, in the spring game, what we saw, he, he did struggle to throw the ball a bit. It was kind of his first sort of real live action we got to see, but he did show a clear ability to evade pass rushers, limit negative plays, and I've always seen undersized quarterbacks do well. I just think it's going to be difficult for him to have an impact, at, le- at least for this season. It's not to say I don't think he's capable, but I feel like he's solidly third on the depth chart right now. And, and he just needs a focus on probably bulking up just a little bit, not losing that speed, but just getting a little more on his frame, uh, continue to work on that arm strength, and then just work on understanding the defense, or excuse me, the offense and the system that Chip Kelly has in place, that's going to kind of be his ticket to having an effect on the quarter position, quarterback position in the future. Yeah, and Chip Kelly's offense is not necessarily what Chase Griffin did in high school. He is more termed as a pro-style quarterback, so we'll have to see how he changes or tweaks his game in order to fulfill what Chip Kelly wants. The The thing with Chase is he is so bright in the classroom. He had a weighted 4.69 GPA, had offers from Yale, Brown, pretty much every Ivy League school. And this is just like the ultimate addition for UCLA to their football team and what Chip Kelly wants. A bright football player and a standout student. And according to Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, Griffin has been classically trained as a violinist since the age of four. So my goodness, this guy has it all. And how lucky and fortunate the Bruins are to have him. And I think with due time, Nick, we're going to see some really special things out of him. Yeah, it's nice to have guys on your team that can help diversify things a little bit and have guys that are able to bring other interests and other backgrounds into the fold. I think it just helps complete a team chemistry and that brotherhood that UCLA is building. We have hit on three of the premier quarterbacks that could see the field this upcoming season, but there was another one 
we haven't talked about yet that might do so as well. He's a late arriving addition to the quarterback den for UCLA, and he has the talent to shoot right up the depth chart. Where he stands in the mix, we'll discuss next. You're listening to Locked on Bruins. Welcome back to Locked on Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. You can hang out with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter. Nick's is at N-K-O-O-P. I'm at Brian Fenley. And give our show Twitter handle a follow as well. That is Locked on Bruins. There is a quarterback who was highly touted coming out of high school, started out at the University of Washington, and has just entered the Bruins program as a transfer. His name is Colson Yankoff, and he's a dual-threat quarterback, four-star, went to Coeur d'Alene High School, and redshirted just last year with UW. And now there is a chance, we're not sure if it's going to happen just yet, but there is a chance that he could be eligible despite the fact he redshirted last year and transferred but that remains to be seen. Yeah, so try and break this down for you. So bear bear with me here. So we're we're still waiting to hear whether he will be cleared to play this year. That's because the Pac-12 has a rule that players transferring within the conference must sit out a year. The way around that is to get the original school, in this case Washington, to waive that penalty. That would still have to then be approved by the conference and the NCAA, but in past cases if the original school, if Washington would be on board, the conference and the NCAA would more than likely follow suit. But Washington, I'm not so surprised, is not motivated to grant this request. You know, this isn't a case of family hardship or some sort of bad injury or anything like that. You know, Yankoff wanted out after Jacob Eason was brought in from Georgia as a grad transfer, and he fell kind of to that 3-4 spot on the depth chart. So the other option for UCLA is to file an appeal with the NCAA, which I have to imagine if they have not already done, then they are about to do. All we've heard from Chip Kelly is we're waiting to hear. We don't know if that means we're waiting to hear from Washington, if we're waiting to hear from the NCAA, but we are waiting to hear. But this would be so huge because everybody on this quarterback depth chart is an underclassman. Austin Burton's been around the longest, but he's never even seen the field. And there are a couple walk-ons as well. We haven't mentioned behind everybody, a couple freshmen in Chase uh, Artipias and Blake Kirshner. So when you talk about depth, a guy like Colson Yankoff in his skills would be so, so huge for this team because if DTR, our presumptive starter, is not available, your best option is a guy like Austin Burton, who, while we think has the potential to play well, we haven't seen a whole lot of. That's, you know, not something you would like to go into the season with if you can get a guy like Colson Yankoff available to be on the field. When looking at the names of all of Washington's quarterbacks, it seems that if your name isn't Jacob or Jake, that you don't even have a <laughs> chance to see the field from Jake Browning to now Jacob Eason. There was also a Jacob Sermon and a Jake Heener on the team. There's also a Dylan Morris. And I'm not sure I like his chances <laughs> cracking the starting lineup. Now, what I did read was that Yankoff actually originally committed to Oregon 
before yes. Mark Elfrich was sent away and sent packing. And those two maintain their relationship despite the fact that Yankoff bolted to Washington after Helfrich got fired. And Helfrich actually recommended that Yankoff make his way to UCLA because of a past relationship with Helfrich and Chip Kelly. Yeah, of course, Mark Helfrich was the offensive coordinator under Chip Kelly uh, while he was head coach at Oregon and then took over. So Yankoff liked what was going on there offensively. Helfrich thought he'd be a great fit. Yankoff thought he'd be a great fit. Uh, but obviously that changed when Helfrich was fired and Willie Taggart was brought in. He decommitted. And it, there was even a little complication when he initially committed to Washington, too, because it was Jonathan Smith who was largely doing the recruiting to bring him to Seattle. But then at the end of the 2017 season, which would have been Yankoff's senior year in high school, Jonathan Smith, of course, gets hired to go to Oregon State. But he does stick it out in Seattle for a year thinking, all right, Jake Browning's final year, I'll get a shot. Uh, but it was kind of a mutual workaround here by Helfrich where he recommends UCLA to the Yankoffs, and he also talks to Chip and says, hey, there's this quarterback here who I really liked at Oregon and I think could kind of plug right in and help you too at UCLA. With all the whirlwind of coaching moves that you just mentioned, Nick, from coaches bouncing <laughs> to other programs, I'm not the first one to bring this up or to discuss this in the least, but for players sort of to be held hostage when coaches can jump around to other programs whenever they want, but you have a guy like Yankoff who, you know, I get it if you're Washington, right? You, you don't want to see someone who was on your team right away go up against you in the Pac-12, and so you kind of put the stop sign to his immediate eligibility but I just don't think it, it's fair for players not and I know they've added the transfer portal and all that but I just think from a, a fairness perspective players still are second fiddle to the coaches when it comes to some of the freedoms that they should enjoy and that's just me I mean that's just me and many out there don't agree with that but I just feel like selfishly for for UCLA that it would be so great to have Colson eligible immediately and we certainly could have that but we don't know at this point yeah well chip kelly agrees with you too he's like hey <laughs> yeah guy, if yeah, guy doesn't really... want to be here he can go if he you know he he totally he said coach he said that he said coaches are free to go players should be free to go as well see and nick it's so easy to be for that when you're getting the player <laughs> but let's say we you know god forbid we had a player transfer to like a USC and and maybe our opinions would be a little bit changed in that oh you know maybe they should not allow him to play right away but no I don't know I just think that overall there should be more lenience yeah leniency I should say to players being able to do what they want because you know if if Colson can't play this year that's a year of eligibility that will be burned. And so he would only have three years of eligibility left when he starts the 2020 season. Yeah. So we certainly for UCLA's sake, you, you hope that something can get worked out and it doesn't happen too terribly often, but it has happened that the NCAA would kind of override a conference rule. 
But just in terms of uh, Yankoff's abilities, I think after seeing how Wilton Spate was able to fit in with this offense last year, it's easy to see how Yankoff could fit in as well. He's not quite as big as Spate, who was 6'6", 230, but Yankoff at 6'4", 200, he still has that traditional size you like in a quarterback, but he's a better runner too. I mean, he just looks like a natural thrower. He's got a really solid motion, good pocket presence. He can process, go through his reads, and he's also able to sidestep and evade pressure, but he still keeps his eyes down the field to make a throw. And then when he does get in the open field, he is just fearless. So Yankoff wanted to go play in an offense that Chip Kelly helped create at Oregon that continued under Mark Helfrich. Helfrich thought he'd be good for that system. It's easy to see how Colson Yankoff, I think, could potentially be a star for this team. But, of course, all of this is on hold until we know if he can even be deemed eligible for this season. We will be waiting earnestly to see what decision is made and if the eligibility of Colson Yankoff can be made for this year. I, I just hope that it can somehow be worked out. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Bruins. Thank you so much to Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. Be sure to... Drop us a line on Twitter, Nick's Twitter again, N-K-O-O-P. I'm at Brian Fenley. We work for UCLA's flagship station, and we'll be back tomorrow with more updates from fall camp.